Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for the Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today, live on YouTube for episode 179. It is our draft preview show. We're going to be taking a look at some targets the Bucks may have on the offensive side of the ball. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. And of course, as it is draft season, we got a very special guest joining us. You know him well from the Draft Network. Mr. Trevor Sikama joins the program. Boys, how are we doing? Doing good. How are you, Trevor? I am doing great. I feel like every time the Bucks have like a you know like a monumental phase in the calendar, whether it's like the season's about to kick off uh free agency oh i don't know they just won the super bowl or the draft <laughs> i always pop on with you guys and so uh this means that it's it's one of the pillars of the football calendar getting to the draft so it's always good to talk ball with you hell yeah man so it, it is you know without a doubt draft season but also mock draft season and you were pretty infamous with uh being obsessed with the things you actually just draft mock draft 5.1 over at the draftnetwork.com if people want to check that out and we wanted to kick things off and ask you about who you have the Buccaneers taking at pick 32. It is Landon Dickerson, inside offensive lineman from Alabama. Bucks take him at 32. What do you think? It's it's not the sexy pick that everybody on Twitter seems to be talking about, but it's going to get the job done because when you're a team like the Bucks and you don't have a big hole to fill, you really can't go wrong there. Right. It's basically what do how do you how do you answer the question? What do you get the team that has everything, right? Because the Bucks had an unprecedented couple of months in 2021. They ran the NFC, they won the Super Bowl, and then they brought everybody back. And like that just that that never ever happens in the NFL. You don't get to have a Super Bowl team and then bring everybody back. Like you might bring some of your core guys back, but you hear all the time like everybody out there who has played sports before. They always say the thing where it's like we'll never have this exact team again. Like this exact group of guys will never be here again. And even if the stars stick around, a lot of times the depth players go here and there. Contracts are up. Special teams players, guys who are on lower on the depth chart, they're going to different teams. They're just filling out better roles, trying to find better opportunities. But 
I know that that is the case because it's not the exact same team, but it is pretty damn close. They have almost all of their starting 22 guys back from both sides of the ball. I mean, depending on whether or not you call Antonio Brown a starter um, because he was kind of a rotation in there, depending on what personnel they had, but they have everybody back. They have all of these guys back. And so it's like, what, what do you give this team that really does not have a lot of needs? And I tend to lean to if this is a true luxury pick, you want to go for a position that has a lot of value. And so where people would say, hey, interior offensive line, it's not as valuable as offensive tackle. Yes, okay, but I'm just investing in the offensive line regardless. And Landon Dickerson, for everybody who's done any kind of research of him, watched him when he was at Alabama, watched him when he was at Florida State. I mean, they know what kind of a dang good offensive lineman is. His size at center is unprecedented. He is in the 95th percentile for weight, for height, for length. And so that just means that he can also play a lot of different positions. He's not like a short squatty center who could only play in the middle of an offensive line. And when I look at the Buccaneers current situation, they're bringing back all five of their starting offensive line. Donovan Smith's on the left, Alimar Pets on the left as well at guard. You got Ryan Jensen at center. You got Alex Kappa at right guard. And then you've got uh, Tristan Wurst playing right tackle. Landon might not have a spot to play right away in his first year, but that would be honestly best case scenario for what's happening with the Buccaneers. But we also know that this team is looking to make another Super Bowl run. You also know that if you lose one of your starting offensive linemen, that can sometimes set you back a lot. Like that can sometimes make all the difference in the world. Dickerson gives you the ability to play him as a swing, not just interior player at all three interior spots, but potentially even a tackle. That's how good this guy is. And so you know, I think that he's got 2021 value and how much depth he can bring as the next man in if somebody were to get hurt. And then looking ahead, Ryan Jensen's a free agent in 2022. Alex Cap is a free agent in 2022. Maybe you don't want to bring both of those guys back. You know, Ryan Jensen's getting up there in age. Maybe you don't want to pay Alex Kappa. Maybe he can, he can command a lot in the open market. Whatever it is, you then have flexibility to give Landon Dickerson a starting spot next year. So, I don't know if they would go this direction. Maybe they want a position that can have a more streamlined impact next year as they are going to make another run at another Super Bowl. But I think for the long term, and especially for the kind of player Landon Dickerson is, I think Jason Light's going to love him. I think Bruce Arians is going to love him. And yeah, he's got the injury history, but as long as you're okay with it, I think it could be a really, really good pick for him. Yeah, I mean... you mentioned that injury history. I think without the injury history, he's not even available at 32. So no, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Yes. Yeah. I think he's probably the, the first interior guy off the board, probably um, uh, right after, you know, some of the, the, some of the tackles go early. Uh, yeah. It would definitely be interesting. I think when you're talking about a guy that's versatile and can start pretty much like you said, anywhere, it seems like, uh, and I, I don't expect Ryan Jensen and Alex Capital to both be back. Like the Buccaneers have pushed a lot of money back. So that's some of the sacrifices you'll have to make. Right. You can't, you can't bring everybody back. So um, you can't do that every off season, I should say. Um, so we'll, we'll get into a little bit uh, more. I was surprised though, because in your mock, I believe you had Travis Etienne and Najee Harris both there and you still selected Landon Dickerson. Yeah. So that was what? That was Monday morning. I wrote so, this one over the weekend. So okay. yes, it was even it was even before Monday when I when I wrote this mock draft. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, you know, there's a little surprise that comes out and Giovanni Bernard is is signing with the Bucks. And now all of a sudden you're looking at it and it's Ronald Jones, it's Leonard Fournette, it's Giovanni Bernard, it's Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Uh, not sold if they're going to draft a running back and add a fifth guy in there. That, right. You know, you're talking about a guy that maybe has an impact day one. Running back was one of those positions you could look at and say you could plug in that guy and he could be a positional impact guy right away. Do you think this Giovanni Bernard thing affects, uh, you know, let's say uh, Travis Etienne or Najee Harris is there. Do you think the Bucks would still consider them or do you think that that's sort of off the table at this point? No, I, I mean, I think that everything's on the table. I really still do, but this certainly makes it less streamlined for it to make a lot of sense for them, especially next year. Now, say you're drafting Najee Harris at 32. Okay, then you get the four-year contract deal of him on a rookie deal, and then you have the fifth-year option as well, although fifth-year option kind of gets a little bit expensive when you're talking about running backs. And so you have that available to you, but when you look at 2021, now that Gio Bernard's going to be on the roster because he's got the veteran experience. You know, Leonard Fournette was proven to be kind of that veteran guy in the playoffs last year. I think that Ronald Jones is their highest ceiling boomer bust guy, can hit a home run at any time player. You're basically, if you're drafting Najee Harris, I think there's a good chance that you're kind of punting on Keyshawn Vaughn and you're saying like, okay, that draft pick's probably not going to pan out for us. Now, I guess there could be a lot of turnover the next year because when I looked at running back, this is before the Gio Bernard pick and even before the Leonard Fournette signing, you know, when you looked at this situation, yeah, there was a path to playing time right away, but even after Fournette was signed, you thought, okay, Fournette's only here for one year deal. Ronald Jones is a free agent next year. There's a situation that exists much like we talked about with offensive line, where even if you drafted this guy and he didn't play a ton in 2021, it could be his starting gig the next year. Like they could move on from both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and have then a first round running back going into the second Uh year of his career on the second uh, year of his deal, which makes a lot of sense. They can still do that because even with Gio Bernard, there is a world where they could move on from Bernard, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones next off season. And they could say, okay, Keyshawn Vaughn. And let's say Najee Harris is the running back room. That's not the worst thing in the world. I'm just not so sure if they would make that pick now. Well, Jason Light, he talks about how they form their draft board often for how they got how they believe players will be in their years two and their years three of their projections. So they could just totally have a long-term outlook here, but it's not as easy to see them, the rookie at least, getting on the field right away because Bernard's probably just going to be that pass catching back, right? I mean, like that's what he's there for. They didn't trust Leonard Fournette's hands. They didn't trust Ronald Jones' hands. So they're kind of going to split early down work. Well, what if you draft Najee Harris? He's starting to take away carries from these other guys. Not the worst thing in the world for the Bucs, who are clearly just trying to get the ball in the best player's hand. That's why I say that everything's on the table. But now it's just there's so many mouths to feed. How many running backs do you keep on the team anyways? Often when you're talking about like RB4, they've got to play special teams as well Uh because they're a depth player. So it's just not as easy to see it like, oh, yeah, totally. This makes sense. Not taking it off the table in any way because I think it's still wide open for the Bucs. It's just a little bit different now. Things would look a little bit different because Gio is going to be on this team and he's going to get his carries, I think. Now, with the Bucs being in, you know, a much different situation this year than they really have been with pick 32, we, we've had time to really cover the wagon and cover a lot of different possibilities of what that pick could be. There's not a huge issue on this team right now. But one of the things that we have talked about a whole lot is the possibility of maybe a wide receiver. In your opinion, sure. is this a pick, uh, you know, that isn't as crazy as a lot of people want to make it seem? You look at the wide receiver room, Chris Godwin 
you know, I don't want to put all my chips in one pile, but I think it's safe to say he's going to get paid a lot of money next offseason, and it's not going to be in Tampa Bay. Um, you don't know Antonio Brown's future in Tampa Bay. So, you know, depending on where you're at next year, is wide receiver at 32 a responsible pick, I guess? You know, they can have fun however they want to, but would you take a wide receiver? Would you be open to that? I I think that they would certainly be open to that, but I'll push back on you a little bit. I don't think Chris Godwin's going anywhere. I really yeah. do. Like, I I think that they are going to get some sort of deal done because they've shown in the past that the Buccaneers have such a healthy organization right now. From GM to cap manager to the guys who are in charge of other football operations to the scouting staff to the coaches themselves, it just seems like they have such a healthy organization from the roster all the way through the front office that guys want to play in Tampa and not just because Brady is currently the quarterback and they have a chance to win Super Bowls. Like they treat their players really, really well. This is not a having secrecy. We're trying to get the upper hand on you with money. I think that Jason light. Yeah. He's got to do his job as GM, but him and his salary cap staff, I think that they're very straight up with a lot of their players. At least that's the vibe I get. And it just seems like, these guys want to come back and they want to play in Tampa Bay. The Bucks front office continues to do right by a lot of the players that they drafted, especially that are their guys. And I really do think that Chris Godwin's going to stay a Buccaneer. I think that his average payout per year is still going to be one of the highest in the NFL, but I think it's going to kind of be like a Shaq Barrett situation where Shaq could have hit the open market and got a lot more than what he got in Tampa Bay. Right. And yeah, he was the highest page ed edge rusher, I believe, unless one of the edge rushers late edged him out a little bit, full pun intended. But I think that that's probably what you're going to get with Chris Godwin. He's going to end up being a top 10 paid wide receiver. I think the money is going to be shifted around a little bit to make sure they can uh, make room for him over the next couple of years. But I really do, Red. I think that they're somehow going to work their magic again. And I think Chris Godwin wants to be in Tampa Bay. I think they're going to stay in Tampa Bay. And I think they're going to be able to pay him by uh, getting a little flexible with how they do things. All of that to say, getting around into the draft. I do think wide receivers should be on the table because you don't, we don't know really know the future of what Antonio Brown is with this team. And he clearly had a lot of value towards their Super Bowl run because he was a player who they leaned on a decent amount outside of their star guys. You've got Scotty Miller, who I think certainly has a role on this team and you like him as a deep threat player. He obviously came up big in that game against the Packers, which helped catapult them to the Super Bowl. But when you look at the rest of the depth on this roster, I don't think Justin Watson developed the way that they wanted him to. And I think it might be kind of time to turn the page there unless you want to keep him around as a special teams guy. But, you know, there's times where I've done mock drafts for the Buccaneers and with no Antonio Brown on the roster right now. And, you know, with looking at who might be wide receiver three, knowing that Scotty's more of a deep threat guy than a true slot player. I've seen Rondale Moore on the board and I've clicked his name to the Bucks. I'm like, this is just objectively hilarious. You know, like <laughs> having Rondale Moore and just putting him in the same offense with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. But like, that's how you repeat. That's how you, that you have to reload. You reload talent. So although I don't think wide receiver is the front runner for a pick at 32, a guy like Rondale Moore, a player like Elijah Moore, you know, like these guys who could be these slot players who could come in week one and already have a role with this team. I think this should be on the table. I don't know if it's going to be in round one, but I think that uh, receiver and offensive weapons, Bruce Arians will tell you himself, he can never get enough guys that he wants to get the ball in their hands. You know, that's just the way it's going to be with this offense, whether they're hitting deep or whether it's more quick stuff with Brady. And I think they're going to switch it up even more this year. So more receivers, it's never going to hurt. 
Not too long ago, I got a care package sent to me from the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire podcast, our guys over at Sunday Scaries. It is a marketplace that provides stress relief products with a wide selection of CBD gummies, vitamins, and much more. And listen, I, I know we've all had trouble sleeping before, and if you're like me at all, sometimes it sucks ass trying to finally fall asleep. The company offers 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. The product's not for you. Get your money back, no questions asked. For 25% off of your order, visit sundayscaries.com. Use our promo code CANNON for your discount. That's promo code CANNON, C-A-N-N-O-N, for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. Sleep better with the help of our guys at Sunday Scaries. Yeah, I think it really has to do, if, let's say, Tampa is operating under the assumption that Chris Godwin is going to be in Tampa for the long term. Um, because if they assume that Chris Godwin's gone, I think then wide receiver at 32 makes a lot of sense because sure, you're right. essentially drafting just the future guy uh, who would be obviously much cheaper eventually. But um, assuming that let's say they are operating as such that Chris Godwin is going to be there in five years. I think it really depends on what they believe Tyler Johnson's ceiling could be as yeah, that wide receiver. three. I forgot, I forgot to name him. You're totally right. And I mean, he came up with a huge catch in that playoff game against New Orleans. And, uh, you know, who knows? That was the third down, I believe, too. So if they end up punting there, do they win that game? Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, I think it really all depends on on who what they think of him uh, and his development. Do they think he can be a wide receiver three or do they think they need to go out and maybe get one? Uh, I agree. A lot of people have said, oh, well, Miller can be, you know, sort of that wide receiver three. Miller is, is good at doing one thing and it, it's a good thing, but it's just, it's one thing. Like you can't really do a whole lot more than just, you know, run straight go routes. Um, and that's fine. Like you don't really need him to right now. So even if they do resign Antonio Brown, uh, you know, they will likely be a one-year deal. Right. Antonio Brown's not getting any younger and Chris Godwin would be a free agent next year. I, I think it could make sense. And the names you brought up, Elijah Moore, um, Rondale Moore, I mean, a guy like Kadarius Tony. I know you're, sure. you're, you know, Florida sure. Gator. Um, and then, you know, Terrace Marshall, I'm not sure he's going to be there. Um, those types of names. Uh, I think Marshall would probably, based on their type of receiver, Marshall seems to fit their mold a little bit more than those other guys. But right. um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's likely, but I, I can't rule it out. Same thing with those the running back. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I just, I don't really want to rule it out. So, Speaking of offense, and this is definitely a future pick. This is not a pick that's going to be impactful at all this year or probably even in 2022. Um, but it's the inevitable question that you yeah. get asked on every single draft interview you do <laughs> regarding Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody, and we, we always get questions. So are the Bucks going to draft a quarterback in the first four rounds or so? I mean, if they draft a quarterback in the sixth or seventh round, you're not really expecting that guy to be, you know, a major contributor really, or even make the team. But if you're drafting a guy in the first four rounds, you expect that guy to be on the roster. And, you know, if, if you think they, they will, or even should, you know, what do you think of a guy like Kyle Trask? Yeah. So, I mean, just, we'll start with quarterback in general. I'm just not so sure they do it this year. I, you know, they're certainly going to look at the position because they're smart and every good organization looks at the quarterbacks thoroughly because if one that you like the potential of drops to you, it's at whatever round you're comfortable with, you probably take them. And so 
I think that they're going to look at quarterbacks, but I'm just not so sure it happens this year because even when Brady signed last year, I always felt like this was a three-year deal. Like an, unless Brady would have bombed in 2020, which he clearly did not. <laughs> I didn't think that it, this was just going to be a two-year thing with Brady. I thought that it was always going to be a three-year deal. I felt like it was a two-year contract that he signed with almost kind of like a like a backdoor handshake with like a hey you know it's probably gonna be a third year we're probably gonna add one here so I just don't know if if timing is right because if you're not drafting a quarterback in the first round then all of a sudden you know they've got Gabbard as as their backup right now and he's the experienced backup and and I don't think a rookie would ever even step in like if Brady were to miss some time, you know, for a couple of games. I don't think they're sticking a rookie out there. I just don't think that's going to be the case, especially with anybody that they're going to get beyond this, the beyond the first round. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is their first rookie year. They're not even they're not even sniffing the field. Next year, probably not going to get to the field again. Best case scenario, they're starting for the first time in their NFL career in the third year of their rookie contract of only four years. Remember? So then it's like, okay, you have a learning kind of year. And then you have the fourth year, the final year of the contract. Is that enough time to really judge them? There's all of these things that you think about, which kind of just makes me feel like they're not going to do it this year. If the right guy falls to them, like if they really love the athletic ability of Kellen Mond, or if they like the pro pedigree of a Davis Mills, which is not going to be in the first round, by the way, I'm just letting you guys know that right now. I mean, sure, they might be able to take a flyer on those guys later. Kyle Trask, I think he's probably going to be a mid-round guy, but I've never been in on Kyle Trask as a Buccaneer quarterback. I, I just, I, I don't think he fits the mold at all whatsoever. He's a really soft-spoken dude. I just don't think he's Arian's type. He doesn't have that much arm strength to him. His, granted, look, his touch passes, some of the best in this class. I mean, how he throws with the anticipation and how he can float a ball just straight into the breadbasket of a wide receiver, it is a thing of beauty. I went to UF. I've watched every single Kyle Trask game there is to watch, and I rooted for him, and it was fun when the things were good. But just projecting him for the NFL, he doesn't have that arm strength, whether it's in distance or velocity. And, you know, you can any, – any guy who's going to play in the NFL, they can crank their back to a certain angle and they can get the ball about 60 yards down the field, but it's how you throw in those tight windows. It's really velocity that I think shows you true NFL arm talent. And Trask has just never had that for me. And so I think that that's the big thing that's holding him back. And I don't think that he is an Arian style quarterback. I know a lot of people talk about him, get him in the second or third round to sit behind Brady, but I'm telling you guys, I I just don't think it's a a style fit, especially for as much as Arians likes to push the ball down the field and take aggressive throws. That's not what Trask is all about. And so even if you're on the higher spectrum of Trask in the NFL, I don't think he's a fit in an Arians offense. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Uh, now, do you think there are any quarterbacks that could maybe be you know, a, a fit besides the obvious ones, you know, the, the top of the line? Um, are there any quarterbacks that look out? Is, is it Davis Mills? Is he actually is he a fit for, for that all type of offense? Yeah, I think that, the, you know, the two that I named, Kellen Mond and Davis Mills, they feel like they would be the most kind of Arians quarterback. You know, Felipe Franks might be as well because he's got the he's got the arm to really push the ball down the field and attack those tight window throws. But I don't believe in, in, in Felipe's accuracy in the NFL. So I don't think that Bruce is going to be too on him. Maybe like, you know, a sixth, seventh round pick if they're going to take it like that. But at that point, you're just throwing a dart at a dartboard, just hoping it sticks. So I don't know. Those are probably the two guys that come to mind with Mond and Mills. Um, let me look here. Let me see if there's a name that I'm forgetting. I don't guy, think so. Guy, I, guy I, I personally like is Jamie Newman. I would have liked to see him play this year. but Right. Um, I don't mind Newman, but his 
Like there were times watching his wake tape where I thought that his arm was nice enough for the NFL, but wakes offense is so different with how RPO heavy it is. And like how long he holds the mesh point to read everything and suck guys. It just doesn't happen at that kind of speed in the NFL. It's just a totally different kind of offense. And so if he would have played at Georgia this past year, and had even relative success of kind of a step up in progression. I tell you that maybe Jamie Newman's there. I don't know if they're going to want to take the, the chance on him. If they do, it'll be sometime in day three. So that's, that's probably the only other guy there. Yeah. And I, I think it's wise to, to sit there and, you know, draft a, a quarterback next year. I think you can, that's the ideal thing. I think. I uh, think I'm, so too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I know there's, there's some names at the top of the list. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, oh, you got to trade up to one for a quarterback next year. No, there, there are other ways to get a quarterback, but I think that's the ideal one, right? You have Brady for one more year. That quarterback gets to sit, even if he's a second round guy, then you have three years left of him playing on a rookie right, contract correct. instead of just two. Um, and then if he's a first round guy, then you have the you know, three and the fifth year option. So uh, I, I think it's the much smarter play. And yeah, this year, just, uh, you know, obviously if Brady didn't extend, it, it would have been more of a topic. And I think it would have more of uh, more weight to it, but you bring up a good point that even if Brady does go down, let's say Kyle Trask is on the roster. Uh, they're not throwing Kyle Trask out there week six. To, right. to go play against the saints right. like right. they're they're not doing that um it would especially with how bruce arians seems to love blaine gabbert you know they would throw in blaine gabbert so you're really talking about a guy who won't even see the football field in a regular season game until at least year three um and and that's if everything goes according to plan and you like his progression and all that so i do think that it's the, the smarter play is to go year two you know with a quarterback i just i think that Arians is only going to be here a little bit longer. I think he wants to maximize as much as he can. Right. And I think right now, this particular offseason, he's not necessarily worried about what's going to happen three years down the line. And I think that he's going to love that challenge, if you will, of getting another super young quarterback in there to like groom a little bit before he might move on. Right. That's why I think that next year is honestly perfect. I just, I don't think this quarterback class outside of the first round guys line up for a player that Arians is really going to want to invest in. And that might be the case next year. And I think that that's the sweet spot to do it. And I actually wanted to ask you about that. I know it's looking a little far ahead, but you're the draft expert here. Uh, looking at that quarterback class for next year, are there any realistic fits that you see, assuming that the Buccaneers make the playoffs and they're picking anywhere past, you know, 24? No, I don't know. I'm trying to think of my head. Brock Purdy's not going to be one. Sam, Sam Howell, Howell I mean, Sam, <laughs> Sam Howell, right. Sam Howell would, it, Sam Howell is absolutely an yeah. Arian type of quarterback, <laughs> but he's not going to make it to wherever they're drafting. Same with Spencer Rattler. Um, Jaden Daniels is pretty fun from Arizona State, but I, I mean, I have no idea where he's going to go. He's got a pretty big arm and he's got some mobility to him too. He's got some fun game, but I'm trying to think of the guys that are on top of my head. Those are the four that immediately came to my mind. Somebody in the YouTube chat had mentioned uh, Malik Willis. Okay, all right. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know a lot about Malik Willis, so maybe they could they could tell me a lot more about him. Probably <laughs> right now. I'm just trying to handle the 2021 guys best. I yeah, can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah I agree. I just how I think when you watch him. I mean, you want to talk about a live arm. Yeah, I mean, that and dude can sling it. He's fearless too, and that yeah. like that's that's the Arians mold, right? I mean, like you don't want to be winston's level of not being able to take care of the football and make decisions on on when to let it go and where to let it go but like Howell will give you that 
hey, I can attempt this throw, might not make it. I don't care, though. Big payoff, vertical throw. <laughs> we got to make it happen. And, yeah. you know, when you have the receivers that Tampa does, it's often worth it to take those chances. So Sam Howell would be great for Ed Buccaneer, <laughs> but he's not going to make it there. Real quick before we move on, uh, somebody did mention Bo Nix. Oh, no, I'm, I'm so far out on Bo Nix, guys. <laughs> Bo Nix had – Bo Nix played one half of good football – in the Oregon game yep, in exactly. 2018. And he has somehow spun that into like <laughs> SEC and NFL draft hype. And I like, he's, I don't think Bo Nix is good. I, I, I really don't like, I think he might, he's kind of like a fine college quarterback, but I, I I'm all the way out on Bo Nix. Sorry guys. Well, like we had mentioned, we are hanging out live on YouTube with Trevor Sikama from the Draft Network. We haven't done it so much this episode, but we're going to start to open things up. If you guys have any questions before we wrap things up here in the live chat, we will get to it. Shout out to our people, Kevin522, holding it down. Mr. Bucks Nation with the $2 super chat. He says, big dog, Trevor, let's go. That is James Hill. Yeah, I was going to say, what up, James? Yeah, man. (laughs) He's one of our moderators here tonight. He says he's actually at the Rays game. I I think he's on payroll, so he's on his phone at work, which he usually does when he watches our live streams. (laughs) Uh, There's an interesting one from Aaron. Uh, Desmond Ritter. He actually, he came, went back to school. I forgot about him. He was a guy that I was actually looking at for this year. Thought it could be a fit. Desmond Ritter, I think, is a name to watch for next year. Yes, I totally agree with that. Ritter is somebody who I watched a little bit of because I was just starting to get into him, and then he said that he wasn't coming out this draft cycle. He looked like a player who could definitely be of the Arians mold. He 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 looked pretty fearless for Cincinnati, and so I'm definitely looking forward to watching another year of him. Hopefully, it's a year better. And yeah, I mean, if it, he seemed like a player who could be a potential top fifty guy, but if he's going to be a potential top fifty guy back end of the first round, early part of the second round. I mean, like, that's a sweet spot for the Bucks. So I could definitely see it if Desmond uh, Desmond really has a good year this year. Looking at the overall strengths of the class, you know, there's there's four top-end quarterbacks, right? And then after that, like you said, really drops off. Like, mm-hmm. Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, like the next guys. But, like, there's flaws in all those guys. You know, compared to, like, a guy like Brock Purdy, like, I don't really think Brock Purdy matches up with this year's class. Like I, I just, I feel like this next year's quarterback class is a little weaker as is, which is not great for Tampa. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not so sure because I don't want to like totally judge the quarterback class before they have a chance right. to play their last year. But I mean, Brock Purdy, I see in a similar light as Kyle Trask. Like he, he just doesn't have the juice in his arm. They, they, he, he Purdy was getting a lot of hype going into the season and, and there was, you know, he was in, first rounds of mock drafts because he, he had a really nice sophomore year and then people watch more tape of him and it's like oh you i mean like he he can't push the ball really past like 25 30 yards without it really dying on him and so you know intermediate route short stuff i mean he could be pretty accurate with it but he just was uninspiring when he was trying to push the ball vertically which stinks because he was a pretty hyped up and talked about quarterback prospect going into the year uh i, I mean we just got to I don't know if he's. I don't know if he can even teach this, or if he just needs to do a bunch of skull crushers and get the triceps pumping before the game or whatever. But like, I just didn't see the didn't see the arm velocity from Purdy. Somebody mentioned Slovis from USC. Not sure if he's going to be there though, right? I, I feel like he's a he's a fifth, top fifteen guy when it maybe. I so I mean like do not hold this against me at all whatsoever because I only watched Slovis live, but like I didn't love him. Like again, I thought he was fine for a college quarterback, but. Maybe it's because I didn't sit down to really watch, but he didn't blow me away even when I was watching USC. So 
he's somebody that I, I will definitely have to keep an eye on going into the year. And he's one of the players, one of the many players that I'm excited to get to when it comes to summer scouting that, uh, that I do on the locked on NFL draft podcast, what we do that in like June, January, June, June, January, June and July kind of a thing where we go through all the positions of the upcoming guys. Well, folks, that, that's going to be the most quarterback 2022 draft talk you're going to get for this year. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, another person brought up in the live chat as far as quarterbacks go, maybe not for the Bucks, but if Mackenzie Milton has a good year at FSU, how high do you think he could end up being drafted? I mean, I love Mackenzie. I mean, he was he was super, good super story. fun at yeah, he was super fun at UCF. I just, I mean, I, th- I just think he's going to be a day three guy no matter what because of the injury history and and I I don't know, man. I'm I'm rooting for the kid. I have no idea what his ceiling is. I hope he makes the most out of his second start because I didn't think that he was going to get to play football again. But he was a lot of fun in UCF's offense. However, we'll really get to see what he's like now because UCF's offense, for as fun as it can be, it can be really gimmicky. Like it could just you, you're manufacturing stats all over the place. Defenses just don't know how to work with the tempo. You've got plays where like one wide receiver is running a route and the other ones are basically just decoys and not even paying attention because it's so quick hit. So UCS offense is very unique in that way. It's, 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 I don't, I almost went to say like not translatable to the NFL, but I kind of hate when people say that because we see all the time that the NFL tries to adapt what's working really well in college and clearly UCS putting a lot of points. So Maybe we get something like that. This tempo even speeds up even more in the NFL, but I don't know all of that to say, I like Mackenzie Milton. I have no idea where he's going. I, I have no idea what the NFL is going to think of him. I just hope he makes the most out of his second chance. So, Trevor, we've been talking about the draft this entire time. We have a few extra minutes here before you got to go. We haven't talked to you since the Bucks had won the Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. We, we, have not, we have not talked to you since they won the Super Bowl. What was February 7th, 2021 like in, in your house? Uh, it was fun. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch. You know, I I went into the playoffs wondering if they really had the ability to win it all because before the season, I said, look, the Bucs are absolutely going to be a playoff team. They're going to make it into the playoffs. It's probably going to be a wild card. It's probably going to be behind the Saints because I still thought the Saints were going to win the division. But I always thought that 2022 was the – or 2021, whatever you want to say, 2021 season, 2022 playoffs. This year, I thought this year was honestly the year for them to win the Super Bowl. I didn't think it was last year. He came on this very show and said it. Right, and and yeah. I looked at the situation. I was like, look, it's Brady's first time being with a different team. They're trying to, you know, to form themselves to what Brady's used to. It's just going to take some time. And so I really did think it was all leading up to this year. And they started clicking down the stretch. And after that Kansas City Chiefs regular season loss, I mean, they were just on fire. I mean, after that Washington, after I'll tell you, after that Washington playoff win. I had no worries that they were going to be the Saints. None. Yep. Because yep. you you can't you cannot beat a team that talented three times in a row. It's just not, not with Tom Brady as your quarterback. Right. Yeah. And so had no doubts about that. Oh, I was on the fence about Green Bay. I think I actually picked Green Bay to win because it was in Green Bay. And again, I did too. Yeah. And Don't again, worry, Evan, Evan did too. He made it a half <laughs> well, pick against well, the Bucs Well, look, you know, I, I kept going back to what my original thought was. Next year's the year. Like, facing Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay in the playoffs. I know they beat him earlier in the year, but I just felt like the Packers were on fire and they were going to best him there. Once they beat Green Bay, I I, I did not pick against them one time in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, I it's, it, it's cliche at this point, but we, we all see what happens when you pick against Tom Brady. He'll end up making you pay. 
Two sure. more dollars from our guy, Mr. Bucks Nation, towards the Wendy's Fun. He says, one more donation for Big Dog Trevor. Let's go. He's a little hype. He's at the Rays game, so that's probably the most excited he's able to get this evening. Wow. But, uh, wow. We're glad to have him supporting the show. Listen, we got a couple more minutes. I know we've done a lot of draft talk. Let's talk about some recent events. Let's talk about some news. First, the Buccaneers re-signed cornerback Ross Cockrell to a two-year deal, so a pretty good addition for them to bring back. And uh, a couple of minutes ago, the Buccaneers also announced that they won't be taking part in any of the voluntary offseason workouts. They're the third team in the league to do so. Um, Trevor, what are your thoughts on this whole situation and ultimately what you think ends up happening here? Yeah, I mean, as long as they're showing up for kind of like anything around training camp, man. I mean, like that's really they just They've got to get when they get closer to kickoff. I mean, that's really all that matters. This is a Super right. Bowl team, right? I mean, like they've clearly got the chemistry together. They've got it all working. As long as they're getting the bodies right, they're getting rested, they're staying with the right mindset, and they're coming together at the end of July and, and at the beginning of August. I mean, that's really all that matters to me here. It, it takes it takes work in the early summer, no doubt, to be a Super Bowl champion. And Tom Brady would tell you that himself. But for this team, I, I just it's not going to be a massive roadblock. They already know each right. other very well. And as long as they hit the ground running in the middle and the end of the summer, I think they'll be all right. Kind of funny how the roles are kind of reversed now with the Bucks and a lot of other teams. Because now you're yeah. looking at the Bucks and you're like, oh, this group won a Super Bowl together. They don't right. need the offseason, right? It's so weird to talk <laughs> about the Buccaneers as, like, not just Super Bowl champs, but just, like, winners you know yeah, it, right, because yeah. y'all have followed this team for forever i covered it with peter report and i was covering it with sb nation before that and i you know i grew up just south of tampa and so like i've been following this team for a long time ever since that o2 era team disbanded the bucks have never been close to a winner i mean they had a couple of years that felt like fake years like the 2010 year with raheem where they won the, the 10 games and then where they went nine and seven with Dirk cutter and it's like okay it just never felt sustained. Like it never, it never felt like it was real. It was just uh -huh. like luck. And so the Buccaneers have just always been this team that you guys know this Bucks fans. They care about the draft. They're almost draft fans more than they are football fans <laughs> half of the year. They care. They care about OTAs and they care about <laughs> training camp. And that's just what it was for the Buccaneers. And now I'm sitting here saying like training camp don't matter. I don't care. Don't play anybody. You know, like don't yeah, play. Don't you're, play you're, the starters till week four. I don't care. You're, so. you're, you're, you're sitting there at pick thirty two. Pick whoever you want. It does, right, it man. It's, <laughs> we are it's on. Just, it's we it's, are it's on. A, sorry, go ahead, Trev. I was just gonna say it's. Uh, it's a different feeling, and this goes back to your Super Bowl question. It's a very different feeling, but it's a fun feeling because I know a lot of people who have rooted for this team for so long and followed this team when they were just down in the dumps, and now they get to watch a winner, and now they get to root for a winner and experience what it's like watching a football team that uh, is not just good at what they do, the best in the world at what they do is reigning Super Bowl champs. And so it's very different. It's uncharted waters, but it's been a lot of fun since that Sunday. Hell yeah, man. We are on episode 179 of this podcast. It was like episode 20 or 30 something that you came on here and said, the Bucks are bad until they're not. And uh, here we are, Super Bowl champions, excited for the draft in just a couple of weeks. Trevor, where can the people find you and your awesome work over at draftnetwork.com? And what have you got cooking up? Yeah, you can find all my stuff on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. That's T-R-E at the end. Uh, all my work for the draft, see over at the draftnetwork.com just put a brand new mock draft out there it's not my last one the last one is the final predictive mock that's going to come out the day before the draft so be on the lookout for that one but until then i mean 
we're running through all sorts of draft podcasts. We're going through a guest mock draft series right now where we're having a different beat reporter and expert on for every single team in the first round and having them make a selection. It's really cool to get the inside perspective of every single team knowing what they could be targeting in the first round. So we're doing that every day over at the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Just cranking out all kinds of content, man. Just getting ready for draft week. And it's crazy to think that it's almost here. But at the same time, my sleep schedule or lack of sleep is telling me, thank God it is almost here. So (laughs) I'm excited to see how it plays out. Hell yeah, man. We're excited to see what you've got coming out. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. For all of our people hanging out with us live over on YouTube, we appreciate you a whole lot. Kevin522, Willie Beeman, Ben Leeper, Mr. Bucks Nation, our moderators holding it down for us this evening. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on the show with us, and we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. We know you're pretty busy, so we'll get out of here. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show, and of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can also follow my co-host Evan on Instagram, that Bucks underscore daily, and you can find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys soon. We're going to be doing another episode just like this, but looking at players on the defensive side of the ball. Not sure who the guest will be, but it's going to be a good one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special guest, Trevor Sikama. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.